What's up, Cardboard Nation? Welcome to another episode of Go GTS Live, the Hobbies Web Show. I'm your host, Rob Bertrand. Joining me as always, Ivan Lovegren. Ivan, how you doing, brother? Rob, it's been a day. Um, I think we'll get into that in a little it's been a week for all of us. It's been a, a month for our country, right? So that or said, two. we've we've got some uh, some fun stuff today. So maybe let's kick off with letting them know what's going on, and then uh, then get into the poll and have our discussion. Yeah. So, well, this is uh, let's see, season five, episode twenty, master episode one seventy one. So we're just racking them up. And we've got already a great poll question we'll uh, circle back to. Uh, hobby happenings, a surprise giveaway related to hobby happenings. Ooh, um, I was expecting voice. two shipments of new product releases for this week that did not come. But fortunately, um, I have three other boxes that I, because I was thinking I was going to have new product, uh, that are already opened, so we'll show the highlights and the hits from those three oh, boxes, cool. and still give away the hits, right? Oh yeah, oh, of course. Okay. I uh, I had the opportunity to talk with WWE superstar Mickey James this week um, in a lengthy forty minute interview. We'll show the first part of that, and uh, a lot of products hitting store shelves for Hot in the Shop next week, and then uh, we'll take and show you the PC of a. Uh, Australian collector and that's pretty cool but uh, to circle back and talk about the Go GTS Live Q of the Week poll, a lot of engagement with this already uh, prior to us going live have you or do you plan to purchase any top Project 2020 cards and your choice is very simple yes or no Pretty close so far, but yes is weighing out 57 points, 56.7% over 43.3% saying no. Ivan, I know you're obviously yes. Oh, yeah. I'm showing I, some off right now because, of course, they're littered around my desk as I'm trying to. I know. And uh, I voted. I voted no. It's just not my cup of tea. So, but that's what's great about this hobby. There's something for everybody. So, Rob, I. I am curious a little bit because you voted no, but we're only 100 cards in, maybe 102 cards as of today. Do you plan to? Are you open to being surprised if you see something you like? Um, I mean, of course, but... Um, so I only bring yeah. it up because the thing that has been so intriguing to me about Project 2020 so far, and I've been running, you know, semi-similar polls, but more of a when did you buy your first? And it seems like every week I get anywhere from 20 to 40 new people that say, oh, I finally bought my first card this week. Even some people that hated it before. So that's the one thing that I've I've loved about the project as a whole is that you don't have to love each card for the possibility that you could end up getting something from it. So, well, just just thinking out loud here a little bit. Well, here's the thing. My fear at this point is that if I bought a Cal Ripken or a Nolan Ryan card, which are two players that I PC, which are part of this project, that at that point, because of the completist in me, I would feel then <laughs> obligated to, like, 
go and get all the past releases and I don't want to go down that road. So that's why I'm pretty confident saying no. Uh, because well, it's a- <laughs> because I would rather take that cumulative money that I would spend undoubtedly trying to complete those two PC collections and spending them on individual cards that I couldn't otherwise afford had I not said, okay, I'm going to commit to this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I can respect that, um, especially because, you know, it kind of leads into our conversation that we were having before the show and why I'm a little bit more subdued today. I'm having a little trouble getting the normal enthusiasm that I have um, for collecting, for the show, for all my friends up just because of some other stuff that's going on. Um, well, Dr. Rob but, uh, is Dr. Rob is here. He's here for you. So let's, you know, take well, first, take a seat on the couch. I am. All, I don't know that we if we mentioned or not, but make sure you do go to twitter.com slash go GTS live to vote in that poll as well as retweet our pinned Periscope uh, uh, broadcast to enter in some of the giveaways we're going to do. Um, so go vote in the poll and share your opinion. Um, and if you want to enhance it with what I've got going on, feel free. We love dialogue on the go GTS live Twitter. Um, but yeah, so, so Rob, I love that you say that you, you kind of know that if you dove in too, too slightly, it would turn into too deeply at this point. Um, cause I've just sort of been dealing with that. You know, I've been heavier in the project 2020, uh, and it's been well documented how people are requesting returns now that the market has done this and this and this and this, you know, and prices of cards and eBay. And that's not what has me down so much. Um, you know, I can deal with all that, but I've just seen today completely off of Twitter. In fact, I love all of my hobby brothers and sisters on Twitter. I love the engagement. I haven't even been on very much today, but I've had some things on the back end that have really highlighted for me how much of a, a, an, an addiction collecting can be, um, whether that's packs, whether that's buying all the project 2020 you can because you think they're going to go up and then having to send sellers very honest messages talking about where your family is at. Um, and, and I say that specifically because I, I got one of those and it wasn't a scam. I know because the person gave me all the, these cards look good. So I could use that in an eBay case. They're not opening an eBay case. They're asking my, my better decency as a human. And it's, I don't know. I just think that we don't talk about it quite enough, um, as a hobby. Uh, you know, there's so many people that make money pumping the hobby, myself included, you know, yourself included. Um, but I know that you do it with a great heart for, for friends and, and people and those you know and love in the hobby. And we come to it from a passion for collecting, but it's very, it's very scary. Um, you know, and I, I ripped 20 value packs of Bowman myself yesterday that I got from Walmart on pre-order, you know, not even the big stuff. And I know how when you open seven packs and you got 13 more, it's like the temptation is there. So I don't know. I just feel like we don't talk about it quite enough. And I feel like it does cause people to overreach. Um, well, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, just thinking, just streaming. No, no, no. And not to necessarily interrupt you, but to, to add another point of conversation to this dialogue, if Listen, this is this is a hobby, okay? A your hobby is supposed to be something that you enjoy. And if your hobby is causing 
financial stress to either yourself or your family members and loved ones, guess what? It is no longer a hobby. It is a flat out addiction, no different than gambling or other things. And that's the problem. And so a lot of times sellers like yourself get put in a situation where to be preyed on your good human nature. But in all honesty, Ivan, I think I think to, to, to refund any money to this individual, aren't you just enabling them? Aren't you just giving them, you know, feeding an out for the next time when they do that? as comparison to maybe learning a hard lesson this time? Well, I mean, that's almost a completely different debate. Um, <laughs> I'm more concerned about the general, the general hobbyist that's out there and maybe is getting rushing in a little too far, a little too fast, okay. um, you know, what they're going through. Uh, whether I should help this person out or not, oh, I don't know, I haven't even had time to wrestle with that yet. Um, but. You know, I think that as a larger warning, you know, that's honestly, I use one example, but I've had four today Ugh. off Twitter, like uh, examples of this in my life pop up. And so, um, you know, and then comparing it against my own habits and saying, am I overreaching? Am I doing too much? Am I, you know, doing this? So, so I don't know. That's just sort of where I'm at space wise. And, and, you know, it is compounded by. Uh, let's be honest, a hobby box of Bowman being $260 for one autograph, you know, a national treasure hobby box, you know, that we saw on Dutch auction today at $9,000. And last year we thought 4,000 was high. Well, it, be, yeah. because the Dutch auction feature eliminated the quantity sold at, we aren't able to metrically track that pricing like we used to be. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I th- I believe, now, I could be wrong, but I think this is one of the only instances with National Treasure first off the line that it sold out at its floor price, right? Uh, that's what I've been hearing. As I mentioned, yeah. I actually wasn't on Twitter as much today. And I also, uh, flipping that, I was not upset. I saw a lot of tweets saying... $30,000, what is Panini thinking? Well, we all, that's how a Dutch auction works. You started an unreasonable number and work your way down. So I'm not even upset about that, but I'm just thinking out loud that, you know, th- there's there's an interesting middle ground. There's some big, big money pockets in the hobby. You know, we've seen billionaires sell their companies and start collecting, and that's fine. But if you're somewhere in the middle, don't don't feel the FOMO, the fear of missing out to overreach what's actually healthy, you know, and don't, don't count on three week turnaround flips either to be able to fund overreaching. You know, there's a balance to be had. I think that's a great point. Cause you and I had a conversation after the show a few weeks ago where I was kind of feeling like, man, you know, my family sure could have benefited from some foresight on my part and, and, and got in on this quote game. But in all honesty, listening to some of the crap you're dealing with, I'm really glad I never did because I mean, I just, I don't want to put that emotional, uh, energy into something like that, you know? And so I, I feel for you, brother. And so I, I I think it's good though, that you're now questioning, have, have you maybe overreached in the process without, you know, 
um, realizing it. It's just, it's something that everybody really needs to be aware of because um, it's a hobby. And when it stops being fun in any respect, you really got to question, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. and there's lots of ways to enjoy this hobby. You don't have to ever buy a pack of new cards and you're still yeah. part of the hobby if you're a vintage collector or, you know, and so. Well, and Rob, I would even <laughs> add on to that because obviously, you know, GTS distribution, like, yeah, we want to sell cards, but there is a point where keeping the buying base healthy. Mm hmm keeps the hobby going. Yeah, you know, well, there's been a lot of growth in the hobby lately, uh, you know, in the last two, three years that I think is really positive. I still love Project 2020 for the reasons we talked about during the poll. But let's keep it healthy so that we can continue instead of hitting a point where we explode yeah. ourselves, you know? I highly encourage you guys to read uh, Klein's Corner. Um, hobby veteran uh, Richard Klein writes a blog post for us on GoGTS.net, and he asked the question, is new money better than old money? And he made some really astute observations. And, you know, while while this new attention to the hobby is great, it's really only great if X percentage of them stay. You know, mm-hmm. they're not just in and out for the quick flip the 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 hype the the fad of it or whatever Mm -hmm. the sustainability like you said happens when we turn a percentage of those new entrants into dedicated hobbyists and collectors that are in for Mm -hmm. the long haul yeah and i would i would even agree with that that that's been one of the reasons why i still have not taken the true collector standpoint of yelling at people trying to make some money in the hobby because i do see constantly oh i got into it but you know, to make some money on this thing. And then I went out and bought a, you know, a box of heritage and pulled a nickel, a nickel with my favorite player. And that was the coolest thing ever. And, you know, it's like, there's a balance to all things. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tweet that link (laughs) out actually right now from the go GTS live site, uh, to the client's corner article. So make sure, again, that you follow twitter.com slash live. That's also where we're going to be running the giveaways. So you don't have to watch through Twitter necessarily, but you do have to be following us and engaged there um, in order to be involved. And uh, thanks, Rob. I felt like that was a really good conversation. It makes me feel a lot better just talking about it out loud. You know? Well, that, this therapy stuff, it, it actually works. And I encourage anybody out there who you know, in the back of their mind has that, has that itch that says, you know what, uh, I'm in too deep. Hey, talk to somebody about it. It's all right. I swear we've all been there in some form, way or the other, maybe not to the degree financially that you are, uh, but talk to somebody about it. Okay. Um, th- thanks for being willing to talk about that, Ivan. Yeah, certainly. All right, let's uh, shift gears and talk about some other things going on in the hobby with some news, notes, and nuggets in this week's hobby happenings. Well, I'm really excited to announce that the latest publication from Tom Zappala Media is ready to pre-order ahead of its July release. Titled Baseball and Bubblegum, the book takes a detailed look at the famous 1952 Topps Baseball Card Collection. 
Tom and his wife Ellen have collaborated, as you may or may not know, on several collectibles-related coffee table-sized books in recent years, including the T206 collection and one of my personal favorites, the Cracker Jack collection. Again, the book is available for pre-order and will also most likely be part of a future PSA membership offering as other books have in the past. Well, Rob, you have to be a pretty diehard vintage collector to know who this player is and why a practical joke led to his cardboard legacy far more than his journeyman career in Major League Baseball. Watch this and find out why. He filled an opening in the Astros bullpen, yet couldn't close his own pants. Was it by accident or done on purpose? It's another strange but true Houston sports story from Jason Bristol. Many Astros baseball cards are worth big bucks. This is not one of them, though the story behind that photo is priceless. It's 1966, and inside some packages of Topps trading cards, card number 586, Claude Raymond, relief pitcher for the Houston Astros. And, whoa, wait a minute, is his fly open? What? Yep, it's undone for the entire world to see. It's pretty remarkable that photo was used. What's even more remarkable? On Claude's card the following year, he's pictured again with his fly open. Not zipping his pants? By accident or by design? Claude, or Frenchie as he was known as a player, is now 83 years old and living in Quebec. He recently told me the truth. It was kind of a joke, you know, because, because the photographer was a, a real friendly old man from New York. You know, some of us, you know, we, we try to make fun and stuff like that, but nothing, nothing vulgar. Yep, it was all a joke. Claude Raymond posing for pictures with his pants unzipped? It's another strange but true Houston sports story. Wow. Now, here's a super collector if we ever saw one. Meet Boston Red Sox bat collector Jeff Bajukos. Hmm. Sports Collectors Daily reports that since 1992, Bajukos has been putting together a collection that includes a game-used bat of, check this out, each Red Sox non-pitcher who's had an at-bat for the Red Sox from 1960 to the present. <laughs> now, keep in mind, 1960 was the last year of Ted Williams' career, so he's got one of those, and 1961 would be the first year for Carl Yastrzemski, so he's got one of those. His collection, Lee, collection actually recently earned him the recognition of the baseball reliquary, something that Ivan turned us on to a couple seasons ago, as the recipient of the 2020 Hilda Award. Established in 2001 in memory of Hilda Chester, the legendary Brooklyn Dodgers fan, the Hilda Award recognizes distinguished service to the game by a baseball fan. In talking about the collection, Bajuko said, it was an undertaking that I frankly never thought I would complete, and as of today, amounts to over 757 bats. Wow. 
With the advent of eBay and networking and a num- help of a number of fantastic collectors and with the support of even players, I've been able to collect a bat from every player except one. Ken Polson. Ken Polson. Oh. So if anybody can help Jeff, let us know and we'll connect you guys. But hey, congrats on a job well done, Jeff. That's really cool. That's fantastic. Yeah, and Ken Polson, if you're watching, contact <laughs> us. We'll get you in touch with Jeff. Uh, Cryptozoic Con 2020 number two is coming next week starting June 11th. The virtual event will once again feature several exclusives, promos, sneak peeks, giveaways, and panels. Outlander collectors will want to be sure to tune in each day as three convention-exclusive wardrobe cards will be available for purchase starting at 12.55 p.m. Pacific Time. Hope that there's not Outlander bots chasing after those. This oversized wardrobe costume card of series star Catriona Belfi, who plays Claire Frazier, is sure to be a huge hit. Uh, Collectors will also be able to gain insight into the production and development process with a Q&A session online with the Cryptozoic product development team. It all starts next week on June 11th. Very cool. Interestingly enough, one hobby forum that has been somewhat dormant is now under new ownership. Sports Collectors Daily reports that longtime hobbyist Mike Matthews has recently acquired Sports Card Club and is hoping to turn it into a place where collectors can share their memorabilia and make transactions. Some of you might have known that Matthews used to operate one of the original hobby forums, Trading Card Zone before running into personal health issues and taking it offline for a while. He's now merged that site with SCC, so be sure to check it out at sportscardclub.com. This next story is fit for a TV show like Storage Wars and should just warm the hackles of every jaded collector's hearts. Sports Collectors Daily reports that a stash of previously unknown 1995 action-packed redemption autographs has recently been found in a storage locker. What? Yeah. What is that? 25 years uh, longest redemption ever fulfilled? Uh, Definitely in the running. Tyler Feldman of Las Vegas found two boxes of autograph redemption cards from the 1995 action-packed Hall of Fame basketball set. So unfortunately, if you had action-packed football redemption cards, you're SOL. The boxes held a total of about 600 cards, including 93 signed by Basketball Hall of Famer Bill Russell along with signed cards of fellow Hall of Famers Bill Bradley, Bob Cousy, and Bill Walton. There were 94 Bradley autographs and 96 each for Cousy and Walton. In addition, Feldman found multiple autographed cards of Dean Smith, Hal Greer, Connie Hawkins, Dolph Shays, Nate Thurmond, Jerry Lucas, Walt Bellamy, Calvin Murphy, Frank Ramsey, Carol Blazowski, and Nate Archibald. But as you can imagine, it was the Russell cards that were especially intriguing because for the longest time, he refused to sign autographs at all, but apparently signed a deal with Action Pact in 1995. These cards were the first autographed trading cards that Bill Russell ever signed. 
His ones are the only ones in the set that are hand numbered also, each to 100. In addition to all of those autographs, the find also included 360 24 karat gold versions of Bradley, Walton, Cousy, and Russell, which you'll remember Action Pact was famous for. It was about 90 of each of those four players that no one apparently knew existed. And what <laughs> Action Pact planned to do with those 24 karat gold cards is still a mystery. Wow. Now, if you want your redemptions fulfilled, please e- Oh, wait. No, there is no information for that. <laughs> Congratulations, though, Tyler Feldman, and thank you, Sports Collectors Daily, for the uh, wonderful story. I knew you would appreciate that action-packed story. Well, as if the hype surrounding Topps Project 2020 wasn't enough already, this week uh, Topps announced that moving forward, every future card of Mike Trout will have 10 randomly signed copies distributed as part of the purchased print run. Trout's commitment to sign for the last 15 cards means that there'll be a total of 150 autographed Trout cards when the pot project comes to a close later this year. As they say, the show must go on. And with that in mind, the Sports Card Expo has announced the first guest scheduled to appear at this year's virtual event, First is a live Q&A with Hall of, Flame, Hall of Fame slugger Reggie Jackson. Wonder if he'll be signing autographs digitally. As well as a similar experience with Hockey Hall of Famer Phil Esposito. Tickets are still available for the two-day virtual event with both athlete and vendor access. Uh, that event is scheduled for June 19th and 20th. And Sports Collectors Daily also reported this week that Heritage Auctions has moved its corporate headquarters in Dallas to a new single-story, 160,000-square-foot facility. It's longer than three football fields. Located less than 30 minutes from downtown Dallas, the new Heritage campus includes a large gallery space for events, expositions and our exhibitions and possibly even its own collectible shows hmm. ceo steve ivy said this location and facility will better serve all of our clients including bidders and consigners who visit our showrooms or consign with us nice congratulations to my fellow neighbors they also have an office down the street from me in beverly hills Uh, A feel-good story from the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museums was making the rounds this week. Watch this. If you look around your office or home, chances are you'll see some of these. Whether they're a co-worker's, a kid's, or yours, bobbleheads are everywhere. Giveaway days have become the most popular games for teams like the Brewers and Bucks, as sold-out crowds come early just to make sure they get their hands on one. Bobbleheads are typically up here as the people who have done you know, great things or who are sports stars. And, you know, this period that we've been in, the heroes have been sort of everyday heroes. So the Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum came up with a way to honor those essential heroes, making 35 custom bobbleheads. Some of the other people who don't get a bobblehead day, you know, at the Brewers game or uh, at a Bucks game, but, you know, now they have a bobblehead to, uh, to honor them. They're donating $5 from each sale of the essential heroes to the Protect the Heroes campaign helping provide frontline workers with personal protective equipment. We thought that was a great cause. It was one of the most critical needs. It is going directly to hospitals across the country, uh, both locally and nationally, to help 
uh, support them. They've been sending a check to the Protect the Heroes campaign every week for two months now, ever since they unveiled their best-selling Dr. Anthony Fauci bobblehead. With thousands of orders, that money adds up quickly. The National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum has already donated more than $225,000. Reporting from home, Scott Karadzki, CBS 58 Sports. That's a very cool mm -hmm. story. And I'd like to announce a surprise giveaway in conjunction with the story that we talked about with the Cryptozoic Con. Cryptozoic was kind enough to provide us promo cards that are exclusive to the con. Ooh. They will be given away at the con. This is P7, P8, and P9. And I've been told that I can give two sets away, but I cannot ship them until the 12th. <laughs> nice. So one of the things I, I wanted to picture? do, kicking things off, yeah, one of the things I wanted to do um, as that kind of wraps up a look at this week's hobby happenings, I wanted to announce our first winner tonight uh, because I have the power to do that. This set, and don't worry, I have two, but this set is going to go GTS Live's biggest Outlander fan, Melanie Pauls. So, Melanie... This will be coming to you, but I can't ship it until next Friday. So I which would is, write that which down. Which is a little ironic because I write down you, that I have another. Melanie one. is such a fan. I guarantee you that she is still going to participate in the Cryptozoic Con, and that's okay. <laughs> oh yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, no. Very happy. Melanie's a wonderful fan of the show, uh, wonderful conversationalist, and huge Outlander fan. I've got a visitor back here. Sorry. Uh, it was, Hi. it was made public a few weeks back that uh, my uh, my children have figured out they broke the lock on my my little office door. So um, now I'm at my wife's mercy for her to come and shut the door because the kid just left. But yeah, okay. So Melanie is going to win that. I am going to get a tweet put together with that picture I just snagged. That you can go to twitter.com/slash/go-gts-live and retweet to enter to win. If you want to be our second winner, oh, I see Melanie on the uh, Twitch there or Periscope saying hi. Oh my God, she was not expecting that. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, so that'll be up on Twitter. Oh, so, was that see. June 11th or June? June 11th is the con, right? Eleventh and the twelfth. Yes. All right. So we have. Uh, a silver Whit Merrifield prism and a concourse level Jose Altuve. That's that. Now, um, earlier this week, I had the opportunity to talk to WWE superstar Mickey James, our two part interview. Uh, the first part, we talk a little bit about wrestling, her thoughts on the whole divas revolution and uh, her thoughts on that and then scheduled to post on the fans of go gts live facebook page after the show is the second part of the interview where she talks about mm. all the other things going on in her life including um a cause that she's deeply devoted to as the ambassador of the child abuse or help organization uh child help uh her music career and uh, her new podcast, Grown Ass Women, 
which she does with friends of the program, Lisa Marie Veron, who you may know as Tara or Victoria from WWE, as well as SoCal Val, uh, which can be seen mm. every Wednesday on YouTube. One a quick apology to Mickey. The last couple minutes of the recording, for whatever reason, got corrupted and it cuts off pretty abruptly. So I apologize for that. So for anybody who doesn't want to wait till tomorrow when the full video is posted on GoGTS.net, that will be available on fans of GoGTS live Facebook page. I was just going to say, so what I'm hearing from you is I need to go search fans of GoGTS live and request membership to that private Facebook. Correct. Correct. ASAP. Correct. But because you can still listen to the interview here. The first part. Yeah. While doing that. Absolutely. So um, we'll turn it over to the one and only Mickey James. Well, I am super excited to be joined by current WWE superstar. Thank you. Anxiously awaiting the return to the ring. Right. Yes. I know you've been really busy since, um, you know, this whole pause in the action with your injury and rehab and anxious to get back to the squared circle and want to hear about all the stuff you've been doing in the meantime. But before we dive into that, really curious to get your take on someone whose career has spanned kind of both sides of the fences. Uh, Wanted to get your thoughts on going from the Divas Revolution to the WE's conscious decision to retire that moniker and transition to the women's division and superstar status? Uh, I think that was like a a very unique thing because prior to the divas, we were superstars. We were classified as superstars. Right. We were already classified. Like we were superstars. We just had our own names. We didn't get classified under this umbrella of, oh, this is the divas. We were Mickey James, we were Lita, we were Trish, we were Molly Holly. We weren't part of a collection of people. We were ourselves. Our su- we were superstars. And then it wasn't until it was almost like when that whole diva thing happened to where I was like, hmm, I don't know how big, like, I get it as far as a marketability thing of like to be able to pr- like push to the young female fans of like, oh, they want to be a diva or they want to be this to like encompass us all in like this collection of girls but the problem with that is is that if one person of our collection does one thing wrong it represents all of us rather than if i as mickey james do something wrong mickey james the superstar then suffers the consequences mickey james the superstar then it's on her not on the collection of the divas so that was like my only thing that where i was like "Mm, i don't really love this divas idea but you know um because I also take things, it, I also, in my own mind, I go like, I've worked for so long and for so hard to build up the name of Mickey James to make Mickey James the superstar, not to Absolutely. make, you know, a collection of girls who I don't have a relationship with outside of when I walk this into this locker room. And then when I leave this locker room to elevate them, to make them superstars off of the hard work I've done to build my name on my own. So it was like this weird dichotomy, I think, that happened when that whole shift happened as far as naming the girls the divas and the, and people have mixed emotions on it. And I feel like although it did open up a lot of doors for the women, it was a very debilitating uh, thing. It almost like took us backwards 
in a exactly. sense. Exactly. It took us backwards because we had made so much progress already. And I think people, you know, kind of, you know, we as a culture have, um, you know, um, we like to remember what we like to remember and how we like to remember it. And it always isn't the way it's the reality, right? Like we would like to rewrite our truth in order to be able to put it in the way that we want to remember it. Um, but in reality, I felt like all these women before us had made such strides to get to this level. And now these women, the leaders and the, and the Trishes and all this, they were household names. And I was so blessed to come in to be able to become a household name as Mickey James. You know what I mean? And, and I think that if, if the divas then became the household name instead of the individual. You know, so that was like a thing. So then to have to like go back then after we had worked so hard to do all that work to get to that level and then divas happens, right? Which is however you feel about it. Some think it's wonderful. Some think it was horrible. I kind of play both sides of it because I benefited from it, but I also saw the parallels to it, right? Um, but then you go, then you have to go back and redo all that work that we already did to then bring up to where we can have now a female that is a groundbreaking kind of outside of the box star that then makes a name off of her own name or the man or a moniker or whatever. Right. right? You know what I mean? So absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, think it, do you think it's easier for women to enter into WWE now than, than it, it ever was? was. Yeah. A okay. Absolutely. I think so. I think the path is much easier. Um, it's much more laid out than it was 15, 20 years ago. I think this was a very man's world. This was a, a man's business. You know, you had to be a very thick skinned female in order to survive whatever role that was uh, to survive in this male dominated sport. They were working two shows, traveling towns or whatever. The, you know, stuff that like, you know, you know, our mentality is just not meant for. And then you put on the fact of being a female and an emotional female or however you want to look at it. It's just like, you have to have very thick skin in order to make it in any type of industry, whether you want to be the CEO of a company, whether you want to be the top actor, actress in Hollywood, whether you want to be the biggest NFL superstar that the world has ever seen, you have to have thick skin because people are going to tell you no, and you're not good enough and you'll never make it way more that they're going to tell you that you're great. You know what I mean? Exactly. There's going to be very few people that are going to tell you that you're great. So you just have to learn to like use that, you know? And, and I think that that is one of those things that we, I'm very grateful for in my own, you know what I mean? Of being told no so much and being, and being growing up in a male dominate. I love the way that I came in because it gives me a different perception. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't handed anything. I had to train with all guys because no girls were really training to be wrestlers. They were training to be valets or managers or whatever, but there wasn't a whole lot of women that were training to be wrestlers. And so when I say it was, it wasn't harder to get, I had God knows how many tryouts, probably 50, a hundred tryouts before I even got a job, wow. you know, like it was a lot. It was a lot that I would, I would just drive, drive to Florida from Virginia, drive to wherever. So I could be backstage at Raw and SmackDown tapings and, you know, hopefully get a tryout match or, and the tryouts were then were way different than they are now where we actually got into the ring and fit would get into the ring with us and we would work out with the other girls and actually get a chance. Now it's like, well, because of, you know, legalities and if somebody gets hurt or something like that, a lot of these, I feel so bad for a lot of these independent guys that come up to the show and they're expecting this one thing and they literally have to kind of 
just sit in the stands, which is interesting. You know, you're, it's a learning experience and it's whatever, but at the same time, it's not the same as when I was trying to try out of like actually having an opportunity to get into the ring in front of some of the producers, in front of some of the talent that someone, the right person, not everyone's going to get you, but the right person might get you and see you and think that there's something special there. And it's like, even though you get the opportunity to come up there and try out, you really don't get the opportunity to showcase what you can or can't do. Yep. You know what I mean? Good so point. it's, it's a different dichotomy that is, it's really unique. And so it's like how this is how like so many of the same people keep coming back, coming back, coming back for the same tryouts because they don't get a, a real look, you know, and it's, it's tough. It's, it's a tough, it's harder now, I think as a whole, because thankfully there's other industry, there's other companies. So there's not just the one, like for a while, it really was just the one and that was it. Right. So now there's like, there are, there is the opportunity of beauty is this now that you don't have to go to the main stage in order to make money, to make a healthy living for yourself and to be okay. Like you can make good money and not go to the, to the big dance. There's several platforms for you to do that. But if you, it depends on what your goals are. You know, if you just want to make money in the business, sure, you can do that. But if you want to be a superstar, you kind of have to you need to make it to that ne that next level. And I think that there's a lot more opportunities for women and that they've stopped looking at women and given them this like kind of a backhanded compliment of, oh, that was a good match for the girls. Like the girls really put on a good match right today. Like, right. What? so I'm sorry, ladies. And I say this with utmost respect and love because there is a massive difference than going out there and having a really great match and memorizing what you said, you guys were all going to girls go we're all going to talk about the back room, uh, background and the back room. Yeah. And going out there and performing that, executing that without any hiccups. That is not a good match. No. That is, that's, that's the difference. And I feel like our perception of what and our allowances, because we, we've done so much of that, of like, okay, as long as I can like memorize like A through Z and get through this without any hiccups, no screw ups, no nothing. We had an awesome match. No, you didn't. Cause you didn't listen to one time to what one person was or was not reacting to out there. You just went out there and performed like a circus, like a circus clown. That is not having a good match. Net from the fans' perspective and from the um, talents' perspective is where that line has been blurred, and that line has been that people will go out there and say, "Oh, that person was a, is a really great worker." No, they're not. They're not a great worker. They're a great wrestler. Yes, doesn't mean that they are a great worker. A lot more to it. There's so much more levels. Just because you can go out there and and do a shooting star 360 press off into the thing does not make you a great wrestler. That makes you a good acrobat. That makes you, uh, or a good worker, I should say. That makes you a good acrobat. That makes you a talented performer. Does not make you a good worker. And I would never discredit anyone's talent. However, there is an art form to going out there and knowing what you could and couldn't do in those situations and having those in your back pocket. But there is an art form to not memorizing and feeling and listening.
you made an interesting comment about the the designation of um you know putting the preface of women's match and not just match and right i, I have a 12 and 14 year old daughter and my, i remember one time watching and my 14 year old said hey dad how come they never say that was a good men's match right can you imagine being able to pick up on that at such a young age and the influence and impact that that has? And that's why going back to women superstars, I think, has been such a great thing to see. And there's still yeah. some room to do, you know, things to work on in WWE. Uh, but from an equality standpoint, I don't think it's ever been more so. Well, yeah. And you say that it's like because that is a learned thought process and that is a learned behavior and we still even now like when you say like you don't you don't hear like saying oh that was a really great match for a guy's match you would <laughs> i'm sorry like i remember getting some of this hey you guys really for a girl's match i'm just impressed and i'm like thank thanks thank you I question think. mark <laughs> because for me i'm like i want to go out there and have a great match i want to show you up I want to come back to the locker room and say, hey, boys, follow that. I love that. I love that feeling because I feel on my in my thing that we are the same. We are on the same level. I take I travel the same road as you. I take as many, if not, I've probably taken way more bumps than you. Probably. Way more. <laughs> um, I travel the same. I deserve to get a massage at the end of the show without a side eye because I've paid my dues. I've put up my rings. I've broken them down. I've driven to the next town. I've done all those things. Plus some plus stuff because I grew up in the business when it was way different. Some stuff that you guys couldn't even, you wouldn't even imagine doing. I've carried bags and with a smile on my face because I wanted to earn the respect of my peers. I didn't make excuses. I didn't say, oh, you guys are just, you guys are being harder on me because I'm a woman or because, you know, I never made excuses. I took it and I, I did it with a smile on my face and I made a bitch in my hotel room. And at that point, like at those times, let's say, face it, I wasn't <laughs> in my hotel room by myself. I was probably had three or four other girls or my friends in there that we were all split in the room five ways going like, can you believe this guy? So what's, a, what's a better compliment? You're a great wrestler or you're a great worker? Um, I say, I don't, <laughs> from the boys, from the, from the locker room, you're a hell of a worker. You know what I mean? From a fan, it's really hard. I don't expect, in fact, I don't, I'm grateful that not all the fans are the ones that are sitting there going like, Hey, Mickey, you're a really great worker. I really loved your match way back in ring of honor. This person, I don't love that. Like, I love that a dedication. I love that, but it takes that, um, the fun, the fun for me as the character out of it. Like, I love that they are that passionate and they love me as a performer and as a worker and they respect the business that much to have, to have delved themselves that much into it, to know that much about it. But as a whole, a normal average wrestling fan is not going to tell me I'm a great worker because they don't know what that is. And I don't want them to know what that is. I don't expect them and I don't want them to know what that means. I want them to think that either I'm a terrible human being if I'm a heel 
I want them to, to really like loathe me or I want them to really, you know, adore me and respect me. Obviously you want respect as wholeheartedly in this business, but from a real wrestling fan, like just like a, a fan of, of wrestling watching the show, I want them to feel about me what I'm trying to make them feel about me. And that doesn't mean like me going out there and being a heel on TV and then trying to sell my merch on Instagram. That is not being a heel. That is not, it's not like, and I know the difference, there's a massive difference in the business and the world. And obviously we pulled the wool back ages ago, but there is an escapism to it. You know what I mean? It's an escapism to it. And there's an art form to, to it. And I go to the movies and I don't sit there and question how they did that special effect that blew up that, or if that was even real. And how did they computer generate that thing? Because that looks great. I, I don't do that. I just yeah. allow myself to get lost. To be entertained. To be exactly. entertained. Exactly. Right. Right. Well, you know, you are so much more than a wrestler. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, you've currently got a ton of projects going on, including the brand new debut of your podcast, Grown Ass Women. <laughs> G-A-W for short. Uh, tell us about that. Um, you know, we've all been sitting here in quarantine. And, you know, this everything and uh, something that like Lisa and I and Val and I, we'd all talked to separately about doing something fun to really like embrace our female audience. And I feel like that's something that we really don't do. We say we do. We put out T-shirts. We have catchy phrases and we say we, we do do like uh, empowering things for the women's. But as a as a as a whole, we don't really go after our female audience like our, our fan base is driven mostly by men you know what i mean so sure. i felt like it was really important that we especially because we've come so far in the business it, to do something to create something and cultivate something that is specifically you know designed for our you know more feminine audience and and, and stuff that they want to talk about whether it's fashion and food and all these, it's mostly outside stuff outside of the world. Like we have wrestling guests and we talk about wrestling and it comes in the conversation because that's obviously where we know each other from. But um, we talk about so much more and we talk about like real life and it's all in lighthearted talk, you know? Like I, I remember being asked if I could or would do a podcast when they first like were a thing. And I was just like, oh man, that means I have to watch all the wrestling products Oh, <laughs> be aware of everybody's stuff. I'm like, I just don't, I, I can't, I cannot keep up. Like, I want to keep up with my stuff. I want to keep up with wherever I'm at and the people that I care about. I want to be able to watch their stuff, but I cannot process 12 hours of wrestling on a weekly basis. I cannot, I cannot do it. I don't care how much I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so who made it happen? Obviously you guys had um, some conversations, but what we did, we did. And we had, you know, the, the term grown ass woman gets get thrown a, around. It's a very American, I don't know if it's an American phrase or it's a whatever it's, but it's something that I have heard thrown around. Like I'm a grown ass. Like you get into a thing and be like, Oh no, he did not talk to me like that. He better know I'm a grown ass woman. I will come down there. <laughs> so that's kind of how it, and then it started like as I'm sitting there and then Fox and I traveled a lot together, Victoria Fox, and we had talked about doing a grown ass woman. Like, let's, we were going to try to get it on television of like, we're team gaw, team grown ass women. We don't take the shit. We don't, 
sorry. We don't take any crap. Like we, we've been there, done that, got a t-shirt and a shot glass and a keychain. Like we already know, we, we know we've, we've played as gabs before grown ass babies trying to be a grown woman. And if that is over, like we are grown women and like we help pave the way. So you're welcome. Like it was one of those type of attitude kind of things. Um, but it just never come to fruition. Like it just never, like we tried to get it over in our own right, but they were not biting on it. Maybe because it said ass. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> um, I thought, I was like, well, we can say, you know, astonishing, astonishing. There uh, you, go. you know, oh, there's a plethora alpha. There's an immense amount of A words that we could use. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It's like, because now when I look back, because we had written like, the laws of God, like the book of God, how to be a God, how to get to, to build your God pyre, all these like really. And then, so then we're all, you know, talking about it and I'd written it in like this notebook and stuff like that. And obviously we talked about it here or there. And as then we're sitting here for the Corona, the COVID, um, this massive, like we've been sitting at home a whole lot yeah, right. A lot. <laughs> so I was like, oh, maybe we do have time. And, and Val has such a vivacious personality. Lisa's hilarious. But Val's very, because she does a lot of stuff with Fight TV and all those different networks. And she's very, she's an amazing host, like an amazing host. But she does a lot of the editing and stuff as well. And just, I think the three of our personalities just mesh and oh, bounce off each other so well. And it's just, it's easy to watch it's especially as a lighthearted content to not be so serious in your face take us seriously hey let's just laugh together let's let's laugh about how we embarrass ourselves how we the things that we do the things that we don't do what you like what empowers us as grown-ass women to help you know what i mean and just to provide a different type of outlet and just to laugh like it's more just if you need a good laugh where can people watch or listen uh it's on youtube it's Great. on YouTube, so um, and I think it's a uh, God TV show because we just got our URL. You know, you cool. have to wait wait for the whole month. So we thought we were going to be able to get God TV, but we got God TV show. Um, but obviously, you can go to GodTV.com um, and there, everything's there from our Instagram, our Twitters. You can go on either myself, Lisa, Marie. Uh, Tara, however you know her, Victoria, her social media accounts or Val, SoCal Val, um, and you will find, we share it in our story, so you will be able to find it. But YouTube is, you know, you you subscribe to the channel, you hit the little bell, you like the videos, please like the videos. Um, <laughs> it helps us out so much if you actually like and subscribe. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's really cool and it's just fun to do, you know. We release one every, we kind of tape in advance so we have content, you know, because all three of our schedules are so different. But so we're a little bit ahead, but we put out every Wednesday and then we actually go live in the chat rooms while the air episode is airing. So Lisa, Val, and I are in the oh, chat that's rooms. Awesome. Commuting, that's awesome. Yeah, conversating with everyone who's there joining us live as it as the show premieres. And then obviously you can always go back and watch it and comment. It's Very fun. Cool. We love it. We love we love being able to do this um, and be able to provide and do something fun for our fans. So very cool, very fun. Thank you to Mickey James for doing that. And like I said, part two will be available at 11 p.m. Eastern time on the uh, Fans of Go GTS Live private group. 
but I made um, joining super easy. If you already like the GoGTS Live Facebook page, when you apply to uh, join the group, it'll be automatic and you can watch the second part. The complete unedited uh, interview, uh, about 42 minutes in length, including what you just saw will be posted uh, along with details about her new podcast on the gogts.net blog tomorrow. In addition, Mickey said she is sending an eight by 10 photo uh, for us, autograph photo for us to give away. And so what the blog post will have is a Gleam campaign attached to it that you can enter to win the autographed photo right on the blog post. For, so look for that to be published sometime tomorrow. So uh, you're telling me that we don't just give away stuff on the show. Uh-huh. We're giving away stuff all week long. Yeah, basically. Nice. So. Yeah, thanks to an article Kelsey Schroyer did on Superbreak monthly subscription boxes. I just sent out uh, three cards uh, to one lucky winner um, last week. So, yeah, we try to give away stuff on the blog, too. Nice. So pretty simple. Make sure that not only do you watch the show on Thursdays, but when you're jonesing for hobby content during the week, aside from just Twitter, there's some great websites out there. You know, we've mentioned Sports Collectors Daily during our hobby happenings. Well, we've also got exclusive blogs and content from great writers on GoGTS.net, along with giveaways. Uh, Rob, I know we've got a cooking show, but I actually also just want to ask you, because I know you're a huge wrestling fan, what was that interview like for you? Oh, it was super enjoyable. Um, Mickey's good people. Um knowing that she's doing her podcast with someone that I know really well in Lisa Marie Veron, uh, I, I felt instantly at ease in talking to Mickey because we had some commonality, uh, which was fun. And she was just super gracious with her time. And as you can tell in that interview, she's, she's just the real deal. She's down to earth. So it was a lot of fun. Um, thanks, Ivan. All right, let's update the poll question because, wow, 390 of you have voted in. And have you or do you plan to purchase any Topps Project 2020 cards? Yes, starting to make some separation, 58.7% to 41.3% saying no. And you still have about 17 minutes left to vote in the poll if you haven't already. Not but, to mention you've got about 17 weeks still to get swept up in Project 2020. So, Rob, we're going to revisit this as the weeks go by and see if your answer hasn't subtly changed at some point. All right. Well, let's dive into a look at uh, new product releases that are hitting uh, hobby shelves, online retailers, and group breakers next week and our weekly segment, Hot in the Shop. And we kick things off with the much-anticipated 2019-20 Panini National Treasures football card, or excuse me, basketball <laughs> cards. Uh, NBA basketball uh, from Panini America National Treasures. First off the line, sold today, and Hobby debuts next week with eight autograph or memorabilia cards, plus one base or parallel card, and one printing plate in every box. The most sought-after rookie patch autographs of the NBA season arrive with the release of National Treasures, which has become its staple. Uh, look for RPAs of all the top rookies you've been following, Zion Williamson, Jean Morant, R.J. Barrett, 
Rihuchimara, and many more. Look for the incredible Logo Man autographs, treasured tag autographs, and one-of-a-kind items from players like Charles Barkley, Steph Curry, Shaquille O'Neal, and many more. Collect the incredibly unique personalized autographs of superstar talents and chase history in the NBA Finals nameplate set, which features full letter nameplate patches. Also look for pieces from the Toronto Raptors first ever NBA Finals victory. The complete checklist is up and available now on GoGTS.net. Well, Rob, baseball collectors are not left out this week either. We've got an exciting high-end collector dream returning this week. 2020 Topps Diamond Icons Baseball Cards, where each box is going to deliver seven autographed cards signed on card, along with two autographed relic cards signed on card, and one relic card in every box. And here's one where even just the relic cards are giant, chunky, exciting items. Uh, so look at some of these great looking high-end autographs. Uh, there's going to be diamond icon autographs numbered to 25 or less. Uh, one silver ink in every case. One silver ink autograph in every case. Of course, look for relic autographs with giant pieces of game-used memorabilia. Look for uh, single-player dual-team autographed relic gold parallels. Kind of an exciting twist on the uh, the dual patch card showing stuff from two different teams. There's also the autographed jumbo patch card, which has become very popular with high-end collectors. There's some immortal cut signatures numbered one of one, as well as traditional cut signatures numbered to four. There are, of course, the diamond icons jumbo relics with autographs right on the relic. How cool is that? And again, some of the material in here from bats to jerseys. Uh, in the past, we've seen batting gloves, spikes, uh, the logo patches, one of one MLB silhouetted batter logo patches. Another exciting thing to chase. Oh, and as the name suggests, there's diamonds. That's right. Diamond cards on their own or diamond autographed relic books. This product is going to be hot this week in the shop. And another diamond-themed baseball card product releasing this week. This one is Panini Diamond Kings baseball cards. For those of you unable to shell out at the Diamond Icons, this is something that might be up your alley, but it's still going to deliver an autograph card and a memorabilia card in every box, along with three framed parallels and 12 inserts. Find the first autographed memorabilia cards of the 2020 rookie class in DK material signatures. Legendary memorabilia has long been a calling card of Diamond Icons, so be on the lookout for DK materials, Jersey Kings, Bat Kings, and Diamond Cuts. Look for DK DeLong and DK T206 cards throughout Diamond King whose design was uh, inspired, obviously, by those past iconic sets. There's multiple combinations of memorabilia and autograph cards, as well as autograph 
mix of retired veteran and prospect players with four different parallels numbered to 99 or less found in the DK Signatures autograph set. Some fun inserts including 3000 Club, All-Time Diamond Kings, DK DeLong, and much more when this hits stores next week. Hey, Rob, we previewed a 16 autograph box of Sage football cards earlier on this show. Well, coming up this week, we have Sage Aspire football cards, which is going to deliver 24 autographed cards (laughs) in every box. And the other really cool thing, we've said it many times with Sage, but because of the fact that they're a smaller company, they pay attention to make sure that there are multiple first round skill position player autographs in every box. It's guaranteed. You're going to get at least one first round quarterback, one first round wide receiver, and one first round defender, as well as an additional first round pick in every box. There are multiple tiers of base autographs going all the way to one of ones. There's etched foil on every single card, along with colored parallel versions. And there is the randomly inserted Aspire to Greatness Drew Brees Joe Burrow dual on-card autographed card along with parallels. Uh, I think we need to get, uh, who's the founder of Sage again, Rob? Time Guideman and Chris Strand. Yeah, I think we need to get Chris uh, Chris on the phone if uh, or Tom, if either of them will do it, to talk about how do you put together a product like this? with this many on-card autographs in the middle of what we've all been going through. Um, That said, check out 2020 Sage Aspire football cards this week. 24 autographs. (laughs) Not bad, huh? One of the most, I think, beautiful draft-related football products on the calendar year in and year out since its inception has been Leaf Flash football cards. And this year promises to be no different. 2020 Leaf Flash Football is going to deliver five autograph cards in every box, featuring a star-studded cast of elite prospects from the 2020 NFL Draft with a heavy emphasis on skill position players. Extremely limited production run. Look for all the top names from the draft, including Tua, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Chase Young, and many, many more. Great themed autograph insert set including flash photography and flash of brilliance, which really do just absolutely pop when you have them in your hand. Uh, A vast selection of colored prismatic parallels also accompany the set when it hits stores next week. And Rob, we've got an exciting buyback product. If you're a football fan looking for some classic players uh, in some classic jerseys, beautiful on-card autographs well 2020 super break football number 12 and 15 edition delivers one to two premium buyback cards in every box now you might be wondering well what happened to number 13 14 i don't remember number 11 well rob if you pay strong attention you know that number 12 is tom brady and number 15 is patrick mahomes Those are the drivers in this product with some incredible hits available from each of them, including rookie cards, on-card autographs, uh, what looks like National Treasures autographs, uh, Panini Contenders rookie ticket Patrick Mahomes autographs, along with a slew of other NFL stars uh, that you can get in this. So again, each 10 box case is guaranteed to contain a minimum of one number 12 and one number 15 buyback hit. Uh, group break spots will be less than $50 a spot 
with all teams represented in this product. So you can do a standard 32-team random group break. Uh, so again, top modern rookies, current superstars, Hall of Famers, silver prisms and refractors, along with one of ones, RPAs, super fractor, one of one autographs, some jumbo patches, logo shields, and much, much more. Oh, is that a cut autograph of Tom Brady that I see? Yeah, that's right. Debut of the bar, super foil, cut auto, and memorabilia, one of ones, which are redemptions also, so there's no way to pack search for those. Uh, but the redemptions are limited only to the best of football greats. So, very exciting case uh, coming out from Super Break. Check that out with your favorite breaker or at your nearest hobby shop. And last but not least, 2020 TriStar Hidden Treasures autographed 8 by 10 football photos. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a mouthful. One autograph photo in every security-sealed envelope, including a wide selection of Hall of Famers, current NFL stars, top rookies, fan favorites, and many more. Uh, there are, for you case purchasers, 15 autos in a case, case guarantees, six Hall of Famers, five place and history players, two current stars, and two fan favorites. All autographs authenticated by either TriStar, PSA, DNA, JSA, or BAS. Current and former players include Jim Brown, Joe Montana, Brett Favre, Tony Romo, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Travis Kelce, and many, many more. And look for randomly inserted gridiron tickets redeemable for signed memorabilia from players like Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, Emmett Smith, Marcus Allen, Tom Brady, and many more. This will be in stores and online next week. Enjoy and be sure to tag us with all of your big hits with hashtag GoGTSPC to be featured in our outro video. All right. Our last segment of the evening, we want you to meet Joshua Devaney, an Australian collector who owns the largest collection of Michael Jordan toys and figures in the world. Hmm. And he wants to give it all away. Well, sort of. Watch this, and we'll be back to announce tonight's winners. I believe I've spent just over 100000 Australian dollars. My name's Joshua Devaney from Perth, Western Australia, and I obviously have a huge passion for Michael Jordan toys. The majority of them I have collected are his action figures, but his toy range really started with uh, basketball hoops. There's a basketball hoop you can see in the background just here. I had that hoop uh, originally back in 1994. Um, it was one of the very few Michael Jordan toys that made it to Australia. And I was just searching eBay one night and I stumbled across it. Uh, I purchased it off eBay, uh, remembering all those great times that I had with that hoop. And that snowballed into, into what we have here today. So I purchased off eBay a figurine one day, a Michael Jordan figurine. It was in a clear plastic bag. I was really baffled as to why it wasn't packaged properly. I found a couple more 
on eBay and I, I kept buying those. And again, they kept arriving in clear plastic bags. The people responsible for making this toy, which was his very first toy from 1987, was Ohio Art. I contacted Ohio Art to find out why these were in plastic bags. And they got back to me and, and basically said that these were a pre-production uh, prototype figurine, which was never meant to be released or it was basically meant to be destroyed. There was only 48 of these available and I was in possession of 33 of them at the time, which was, was quite amazing to, to discover something um, unique to Michael Jordan and obviously something so rare. It's the only toy he's ever been photographed with in 33 years and yet it never happened. The how the toy's got that red collar up around the heel of the top and then it's got the Nike tick as well. So they've used a Nike shoe on a Jordan product. So I think Nike have intervened and said, we're not going to allow you to use our shoe on your toy because we're not getting any kickback from it. I really would love to get this over to America permanently. I would love to have this displayed in Chicago or somewhere in America of some place of significance to MJ where they can just go and be surrounded and, and learn about these toys and hopefully hands-on touch them and I, I would like to donate it to Michael. So I'm certainly not even out trying to make a dollar off it. I would just like to to give this to Michael as part of his legacy for people to, to enjoy it, fans and stuff like that. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I thought so too when I saw it. So I wanted to share it with you guys. I mean, I wish I just wish I had that many. To, but but how do you not play with them? Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, so special thanks to Mickey James uh, for taking time out of her schedule. Uh, her publicist, Megan uh, Potter, and let's see, Chris Stratton at Sage. Tracy Hackler at Panini for providing plenty of boxes for us to break. Uh, to James Gale behind the scenes, Ivan Lovegren, as always. One quick note, though. We are off next week. Uh, my wife has to have surgery, so I'm going to be busy. Uh, if you could keep her in your thoughts and prayers, nothing life-threatening, but she's got a long recovery ahead of her. So uh, I'll be taking care of that. But we'll be back the week after that. So what is that? 4, 11, the 18th, we'll be back with a brand new episode of Go GTS Live, the Hobbies web show. So for James Gale behind the scenes, Ivan Lovegren and the entire GTS team, listen, have a great weekend. Remember, it's a hobby and always be collecting, but just make it fun. All right. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody. and Have a great weekend. Bye bye. Bye for now.